Good morning, Spirit Church. Can we all stand to our feet? We're going to celebrate the freedom that we have in Jesus this 4th of July. the 
the heavenly war of every heart set free and hear the chains of shame hit the ground when the people of God sing Through the prayer. 
are so thankful that truly you do reign, God, that we can come into your presence and we can just praise you and glorify your name because, Lord, you've already been victorious over every circumstance that we might face. There's not a single challenge that can stand in our way that's greater than your presence, God, that's greater than your power and your promise, Jesus. So I pray that today will be a day that there is freedom that is experienced from the bondage of sin and death itself, Father, that there are people that are being born anew in a relationship with you. So God, continue to just let your presence be felt through today. Continue to let us just be in touch with the Holy Spirit and focus on who you are, God. Here at Spirit Church, we love to help unify the body of Christ and unify our hearts and our focus on God by saying the Lord's Prayer together. So if you would join with me in saying the Lord's Prayer this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen, amen. If you believe that, I think we should give God one more shout of praise this morning. Before we get started, you are worthy. Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. We're so excited that you're here today. We have 24 people that are being baptized in water this morning. Amen. Some of them in this worship experience and then some of them at the 11 a.m. worship experience. If you are here this morning and you are going to be baptized in water, would you start making your way over to Pastor Grant and Gabby right under this screen? It's on my right-hand side. That would be your left-hand side. So if you would start making your way over there. Uh, and at this time, I would like to invite everyone who is going to Alaska with us on our missions team, if you would come and line right here in front. We're going to pray over you. We have 22 people that are going to Alaska on the mission trip this week. So we've got an army that we are sending up there. And we're so excited for what God is going to do this week in us and through us in Alaska. This is a good looking group. Yvonne, if you might, might have to move you that way just a little bit. There you go so that we can get everybody up across the front. And now these folks, I've told them that I need them here for both services. So they're doing what we call double dipping today and two worship experiences, but I'd like to invite some of our elders, our deacons, our prayer team members, our pastoral or leadership staff that might be here. Would you please come to the front? Uh, maybe you're a family member of one of these that is going to Alaska with this this week and you'd like to come and lay hands on them and pray for them. Would you just begin to move right now? We're gonna pray over this team. We're gonna believe for the anointing of God to rest upon them. Come on, let's move quickly this way so that we can pray for them. And then church family, would you just stretch your hands this way? And we get to thank God for the work that's going to be done. Lord, we thank you for this team. You have called every single one of them to come and to be a part of this missions experience this week. It wasn't my calling. It was your calling, Holy Spirit. You directed them because the Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered of you. And so we thank you, Lord, that you have put this team together and that you have prepared our hearts for what is going to happen. I know that this team has been praying. They have been fasting. We've called ourselves to a time of fasting and a season of that as we anticipate the work that is going to take place. We pray for our friends in Bethel, Alaska, where we're going. We pray that even now you would begin to soften hearts and there would be a receptivity and an openness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the work that is going to be done there. I pray that we would emulate the words and the life of Jesus, that we would say we have come to serve and not to be served, that this trip isn't a vacation for us, but we're there to make an impact for your kingdom's sake. 
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I know you want to clap, but before you do, how many will say, I'll continue praying this week for the team that's going to be in Alaska? Thank you so much. Team, look at all these that are praying for you. God bless you. Let's get over to the team that's going to Alaska. Thank you so much. We're getting ready to baptize in just a second. Before we do, why don't you take a second and greet someone around you, tell them how lucky they are to sit next to you today, and then you can be seated. So this is the exciting part of the service. We get to baptize some folks. So I need your help as we baptize folks. Please, let's shout. Let's, ex let's get excited and just clap and celebrate with these folks the amazing things that God's done in their life. And first off, we have Shiloh Schultz. Go ahead and give her a big hand. And, and when filling out the application, they get a little a little spot to kind of share a little bit about what Jesus has done in their life. And, and Shiloh wanted to share that uh, the reason she's getting baptized today is because Jesus died for her sins, and she wants to show that she loves him, even though it means having to have wet and soggy clothes. And so we're so excited for Shiloh. Awesome, awesome. So excited. Next up is her sister, Ellie, Ellie Schultz. Uh, and she says, ever since I was little and accepted Jesus, I felt his peace, and I'm eager to share his word and love with the world. I'm getting baptized because I want to show the church that I've accepted Jesus into my heart. Let's celebrate with Ellie today. Next up, we have uh, Joe and Vicky Martinez. Going first is Vicky, and they wanted to share that they were baptized uh, when they were really, really young. Um, they wanted to feel they wanted to give themselves to God as adults. And they've just learned so much here at Spirit Church in the last couple years, and their faith has increased like no other time in their lives, especially in small groups. So first is Vicky Martinez. Do you like Vicky's shoes? I told her they were cute. She said, I didn't want to slip. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. And today when we baptize these folks, this is a, <coughs> excuse me, an outward expression of the inward confession that they're making. And we're so thankful that Joe and Vicki are part of our church family. If you go ahead and grab your nose. Because of your profession of faith, your desire to follow the, the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to get to baptize her husband, Joe. Where's, where's their small group family? Where are you guys? I know I saw a lot of y'all there. Yeah. Yeah. So exciting. That's what this is about. It's that public declaration where we share together what God has done. Joe, come on up here, my friend. We're excited to baptize you. Isn't this great? I'll even preach shorter. 
so we can baptize more people. Amen. Oh, there you go. Joe, I love you and Vicky so much. I'm so thankful for your family. I got to be in your home before with that amazing small group. And you guys are an absolute testimony of the goodness of God. And I know today's a big day for you. It's not just about this one moment. It's about what the work that God has been doing in your heart and life. So because of your profession of faith and your desire to follow him in water baptism, I baptize you now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right, next up we have Trenton Lavasher. His name, uh, he, he, he wanted to share that he wanted to get baptized again to show everyone uh, that he loves the Lord and what God has done in his life. Let's give a big hand to Trenton. Let's go, man. I'm so excited about Trent because one of the first times that I met him, he came to youth on a Sunday night a few a few weeks ago, and he comes up to me after youth, and the first thing he says is, I want to get baptized, what do I do? And I was like, dude, that's the best question you could ask me on night one. Let's do this thing. So I'm really excited for what all God is doing in your life, Trent. He's going to do some amazing things, and we're honored to be able to be beside you. You ready for this, man? All right, go ahead and grab your nose. Now, because of the profession of your faith and the confessions of your sins, I get to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's go. So exciting when we see that next generation taking those steps following Jesus. The next couple are the next generation. So next up is Ava Kelly. Uh, she wanted to share. Yes. She wants to continue growing in her faith and keep pursuing her relationship with Jesus. And uh, after spending time in prayer and in God's word, she felt called to get baptized and is actually going to Alaska uh, this coming week and wanted to, as the scripture shared, continue sharing that word of Jesus in Alaska. It's been such an honor to get to know the Kelly family personally. My, my wife was actually coaching uh, Ava and Sophie before I ever got to meet them at youth group. And it's such a cool transition to see them be a part of this, but also Ava went to camp with us this past week, and one of the most amazing things that occurred there was just the passion that we saw ignited in all of our students. My favorite thing about Baptism Sunday being today was we had so many kids like you, Ava, that were just sending text messages saying, hey, I want to get baptized, I want to get baptized, like, let's do this thing, let's take that next step, and honestly, I'm just so honored to be a part of this moment with you, so thank you so much for letting us share this moment, but I'm really excited for Alaska, it's going to be great. But because of the profession of your faith and the confessions of your sins, I get to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, last but certainly not least, our, our last Next Generation student is Morgan Pitts. Let's give a big hand to Morgan. Morgan, it's been awesome seeing you walk through this faith journey and being able to be a part of it and just knowing your family has been such a blessing to my life personally. So I want to say thank you so much for entrusting us with this amazing moment with you. God's not done with you. 
He's just getting started. And this is what is the starting point for you. Saying yes is what puts everything into motion. And then declaring it in front of everybody is what starts your ministry, right? So we're going to get it going. We're going to get the ball rolling. And you're going to be a stud for the kingdom of God. You ready for it? Awesome. Go ahead and plug your nose. Because of the profession of your faith and the confession of your sins, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, let's give one more big hand to all of our awesome folks who got baptized today. And what a, what a huge moment. We're so excited to celebrate with them. Uh, let's turn our attention and check out these announcements. Welcome to Spirit Church. My name is Letty, and we're so glad you joined us today. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we consider you part of our family, and we'd love to connect. If you're here in person, you can use this QR code on the screen next to me to fill out your Connect card or your new guest card. And if you're joining us online, you can fill it out by going to spirit.church/connect or spirit.church/guest. This is a great way for you to stay connected and for us to know how to serve your family better. If you're new to Spirit Church, welcome. Pastor Jason and Robin would love to meet you in the Welcome Center right after this worship experience. They just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and say thanks for being our guest today. Also, if you're a guest, please don't feel any pressure to give. Instead, let this service be our gift to you. But if you're here and you want to give, here are three ways you can. You can use a giving envelope and drop it into either kiosk in the commons area. You can give online on our website at spirit.church give. Or, as always, you can give on our Spirit Church app. Spirit Church, you're the best. Now I've got a couple announcements for you. Our missions team is leaving tomorrow for Alaska, and we would love for you to join us in praying for them this week. We know that God is going to use them in powerful ways as they serve people in the community. And lastly, Spirit Youth is going on their annual float trip on July 22nd. The cost is $60 per person, and lunch will be provided, but make sure to bring money for dinner on the way home. You can register your student to attend at spirit.church slash sign up. Spirit Church, we love you. Thanks for listening. Now let's get out our message notes as Pastor Jason comes to continue our message series, Tell Me Why. Hey, we're so glad that you're here this morning. Give yourselves a hand. This is an amazing crowd. So excited to see you. Happy 4th of July. We're so thankful for our nation. Remember, we've been praying for America all throughout this last month of June and even up until the 5th of July. That prayer guide was available to you. So keep praying for our nation. Last week when I started the message, I gave you a Spirit Church update, and I was kind of going fast because I wanted to get to some of my notes in the message, and I skipped over two things. So I need to let you know about two things that are upcoming. Number one is Project Rescue. It's an organization that we partner with. It rescues uh, women out of sexual exploitation, human trafficking, sexual slavery, those type of things. They have a generous donor who will match $1 for every mile that is moved from now until the end of September. So if you're a runner or a walker or you ride your bicycle or any of those things, I just want to encourage you, keep track of your miles. We will post on social media how and where you can log that in the upcoming weeks. But be tracking. Some of you already do this probably through your smartwatch or your phone or somewhere like that. But 
be tracking your miles because they have a donor that will match one dollar for every mile that is moved and maybe this is the encouragement that some of us myself included need to get out and walk and run and bicycle or rollerblade or swim a little bit more but there's options available so it's it's called the freedom challenge we're kind of launching it today as we're at independence day weekend celebrating freedom so the freedom challenge is to bring freedom to these women who have been uh, brought into sexual exploitation and we're trying to help do the little part that we can which seems kind of insignificant but we're thankful for that donor the second thing that i forgot to mention last week as i was talking about the new building and talking about all that god is doing is that uh in the month of june uh, all the way up until last sunday so i was able to add last sunday's numbers we had 48 people say yes to jesus in the month of june come on that's, that is why we do it. And if you come to one of our deacon meetings and sit in with us, you'll hear the guys say, this is why we open the doors. This is why we do what we do is so that lives will be transformed by the power of Jesus. Well, it's a new month, which means a new In the Vault text. The same series is called Tell Me Why. And by the way, our cards that have the verses for each month are available out at the information table. What we've done this year is we've tried to take each month a separate verse that we're memorizing as a church family. We call it our In the Vault text. We recite it together every Sunday. We work on placing the Word of God in the vault of our hearts. And then on the last Sunday of each month, you'll get some type of an incentive or an encouragement or a reward to motivate you to continue memorizing scripture. There's nothing more powerful than the word of God and we fully believe in it. So if you'd stand with me this morning, I'm gonna take you to our new in the vault text. As you can see, it's 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. And I heard whispering when they put it up there, it looks long. It's really not that long. It's really not that long and we've got several weeks to work on it. Let's say it together, one, two, three. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. And this morning we saw people saying, I belong to to Christ as they were baptized in water. So Father, we thank you for the work that is being done. And we thank you for the power of your word. Your word challenges us. Your word changes us. Your word makes us more like you. And I pray this morning as this message goes forth that it would be your Holy Spirit that speaks to our hearts. It wouldn't be my voice that's heard. Your voice would be the one that is heard today. We need to hear from you. We want to be more like you. I thank you for the opportunity we have to meet together as your body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Now, today with this new verse, we're only going to focus on the first line of the verse. So instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. That's kind of the phrase that we're looking at today. And the question that we're answering is, tell me why Jesus is the only way to heaven. Tell me why do we believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. When you think about it, that is a very exclusive claim to say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And for many people, that is a major stumbling block in their religion, in their faith, in their belief system. They ask questions like, but won't my good deeds suffice? Aren't they enough? 
What about the people who worship other gods? Aren't they going to get there as well? How could a loving God allow people to miss heaven? It's, it's a tough claim to say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. But you aren't making that claim, and, and I'm not making that claim. Jesus made that claim. And when you think about it, people make claims all the time. This week, I took Dan, the intern, to, to a, I guess you'd call it a late lunch and early dinner, and we went to a restaurant that on the door of it said, best burger in Bartlesville. You know where we were? Lotta Burger. It says it on the door, it says it on the wall, it says it on the menu. They'll tell you if you ask them, they are the best burger in Bartlesville. I drove by a hotel this week and it said, best hotel in Bartlesville. People are making claims all the time. If you've seen the movie Elf, the Christmas movie Elf, the Stumptown Coffee Roasters are the world's best cup of coffee. And Jesus made a bold claim too. He stated that he is the only way to heaven. In John 14 and verse 6, he said to his disciples, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I think sometimes when we read that, we see Jesus being exclusive. But truly, if Jesus is who he says he is, and if he can offer to us what only he can offer to us, he's not being intolerant or exclusive, he's being gentle and loving and kind. You see, what Jesus is trying to say in this verse is the other things of this world, the ways of this world, the ideas of this world, the concepts, the relationships, the formulas that this world offer will not save you. But the thing I love about Jesus is he always offers us something better than we could provide for ourselves. If you have an actual Bible this morning with you, a physical copy, or if you have your phone, I'm going to spend most of my time today in John chapter 4. I'd encourage you to turn to John chapter 4, and we're just going to read through a passage. It's, we know it as the story of the woman at the well. What really happened in this story is Jesus demonstrated kindness to a woman who other people deemed unworthy or unacceptable. He did something for her that no one else could. And in John chapter 4, the context is that Jesus is in Judea. He's in the countryside there, and he's spending time with his disciples. Lots of people's lives are being impacted by his teaching and his message, and so a lot of people are getting baptized. The religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, are jealous because Jesus is building a bigger crowd and a bigger following than he is, and so they're coming after him as they typically are. And so Jesus, the Bible says in John 4, verse 3, Jesus left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. There's an interesting phrase there. He says he had to go through Samaria. He actually didn't have to go through Samaria, but I believe that him, the divine part of Jesus, was guiding him through Samaria. You see, going through Samaria was a very difficult thing because there was a, a really tense or hostile relationship between Jewish people and Samaritan or Gentile people. Samaritans were half Jew and half Gentile, both in their ethnicity and also in their religion. They were considered of lesser status or lesser quality. In fact, the Bible will go on to tell us that most Israelites despised most Samaritans and vice versa. And so the shortest route to get from where Jesus was to Galilee would be to go through Samaria, but most Jewish people would take the long way home and avoid it altogether because they didn't want to have difficult or unpleasant interactions. But there Jesus goes through 
Samaria. In John chapter 4 and verse 7, it says that Jesus was at the well, and soon a woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please, give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised because Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So she said to Jesus, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. You see, when it was hot outside, the normal time where people would draw water would be early in the morning or late in the evening, kind of like around here, right? We get our work done early or late because noontime is too hot. But this woman is coming to draw water at a time when nobody else would be at the well. In our modern day terms, this lady is a hot mess. She's got relationship issues. She has a bad reputation in her community. We find out later in the story that she has five husbands, and now she's got a live-in boyfriend. She's a mess. But then Jesus shows up and meets her. Isn't that just like Jesus? He meets you where you are. He cares for you when it seems like other people don't. She doesn't know who Jesus is. And she doesn't understand what he's talking about. And he says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would offer you living water. As I prepare for each message, I try to read from different theologians, different commentaries, different perspectives of the story. I want to put myself culturally inside of what was happening at that day and at that moment so that I can take from that the principles that I need to learn and gain from in this moment. And I read an author, she's not a theologian, but her name is April, and she said, culturally speaking, this lady was pretty close to the bottom of the totem pole. She had presumably racked up a less than desirable reputation within her own community. Her ethnicity was often counted against her, and if that wasn't enough, her gender sealed the deal. But there Jesus was, going out of his way to connect with her, connect with her need, excuse me, and to reveal himself to her, And thus, to us as well. He, that's Jesus, could see the ache in her heart. He could see the parched places of her soul she had tried unsuccessfully to quiet. He could see her trying to fill her heart bucket with the well water her world offered, that of men or of love or of approval. And to this woman, Jesus comes and says, if you only knew the gift that God has for you. To this woman that most people didn't want to associate with, that most people didn't want to be around, in John chapter 4 and verse 10, he says, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Those words that Jesus uses are powerful. The first one that he uses is the word, the gift. He's offering her something that no one else can or no one else has. The word for gift in the original language is dorea. It's a notable capacity or a big endowment but it's a gift that is given freely without cost or without charge. He's saying, I'm going to offer you something so great that you couldn't provide it for yourself, but I'm going to give it to you at no cost to yourself. And then he says, I'm going to give you living water. There's living water that's available. And here she is at the well drawing water to take care of herself, to take care of her animals. And he's saying, I'm going to give you a different water. I'm going to give you a living water. Now, this shouldn't come as a surprise to you and I, because today we have all types of water. In fact, we we went through and we made a list of the water that is available to us. And I I abbreviated it in some ways, because you've got traditional water like Ozarka, Dasani, Aquafina, and Evian. 
which if you spell backwards is naive. You've got what I call the up and coming waters, the smart water, the life water, the Nestle pure waters. You got fitness waters, propel water, sparkling ice water, body armor, sport water, and vitamin water. Then you got Walmart water, great value distilled, great value spring, great value hydrate alkaline, great value nursery purified water, and Sam's purified drinking water. Then you have geographic water, Icelandic water, Fiji water, Poland Springs water, and my favorite, Waiakea water from Hawaii, <laughs> right? And then you have all the other water that's available, core hydration, signature select, surf water still, crystal geyser, Kirkland purified, water in a box, Arrowhead spring water and Essentia water. I mean, you go just to the gas station or the grocery store, you're overwhelmed at the amount of bottled water. That, and I, somewhere in some back room, there's a little man that just like presses the button on the water fountain and fills the bottle up and puts the cap on it and sells. I mean, right? I mean, it's all, it's all it is. But Jesus is offering this woman something that none of these kinds or types of water can provide. He says, I have living water for you. It's a great phrase, and we see it in other places in the Bible. In Jeremiah 17, he writes, O Lord, you are the hope of Israel, and all who turn away from you will be disgraced. They'll be buried in the dust of the earth. Why? Because they have abandoned the Lord, the fountain of living water. In Revelation chapter 21, John writes that Jesus says, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of water of life. And Jesus makes this offer of this amazing living water available to this woman at the well, and she still doesn't understand what he's talking about. Because in the next verse, verse 11 of John chapter 4, she says, But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, and this well is very deep. Where will you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? In other words, we've, th this spring has been good enough for us for, for centuries now. How are you going to come up with something new just on the spot or on the moment? She kind of insults him. You don't have a rope or a bucket. And the phrase that Jesus uses is living water. And in that day and in that culture and context, it was an idiom for the phrase spring water or fresh water. So she still thinks he's talking about natural water. And she says, you can't even provide water for yourself. You're coming to me, a Samaritan woman, to provide water for you. And she thinks that Jesus is talking about literal water, but Jesus is using the word living water as a metaphor for the eternal life that he can offer. Because there's a difference between just water, regardless of what label it has on it, and the living water that Jesus offers to us. In verse number 13, Jesus replies to her, anyone who drinks this water or the water from this well will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. She gets excited. Maybe he's come up with a, a propel water, a pH water, a volcanic water. It becomes a bubbling and a fresh spring within them. It gives them eternal life. Please, sir, she says, give me this water. I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to keep coming here to get water. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't remember growing up with much bottled water. I'm sure it was available, but I just don't remember it. Uh, I worked with my dad, and when I worked with my dad, he had a big five-gallon jug that he set on the back of his truck. 
And my dad and my brother and I shared the same cup every day while we laid bricks in the hot sun. And rule number one was you better rinse out the cup and throw the water out before you drink it. Otherwise, you're going to drink sand or soot or brick dust or whatever was in it. And then when I was playing with my friends in the backyard, we had a water hose, right? And we drank out of a, a water hose. When I went to school, we had an actual water fountain. We didn't have those fancy bottle fillers, Coach Hubbler. We didn't have any of those things with those trendy water bottles that everybody carried. We didn't have that. You just licked the, the, the faucet thing and slobbered all over it. And then the next person came and, and now you go and there's, there's all this water's available. So Grant was telling me the other day that when you go to buy water that's in bottles, there's something called a purified water and there's something called a spring water. And you wouldn't know the difference unless you tasted them right together. If you're just used to drinking spring water, it's going to taste like spring water. And if you're used to drinking purified water, it's just going to taste like purified water. So we're going to do the taste test right here. So which one are you giving me first? Purified water. Are you going to taste it or am I going to taste it? I'm kind of thirsty, but you go ahead. Well, I, No, because then I've, I've got to compare. Okay, okay. Are you sure? You want to drink after me? Okay. That's smooth. I like that. Mm. That's good. That's good. Okay, this is spring water. Thank you for that. <clears throat> that tastes like uh, Hula Lake, I think. <laughs> Appreciate that. You see, if you're used to just drinking spring water, you won't taste a difference. If you're used to just drinking purified water, you won't taste a difference. But when you compare them to each other, the dis distinction is profound. And when this woman says to Jesus, I'll never be thirsty again, she thinks that Jesus is talking about the natural water for the spring. But what Jesus is offering her is something that is profoundly different than anything she has ever tasted before. In fact, it's not a drink that goes in her. It's eternal life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And so when Jesus says, if you drink this water, you'll never be thirsty again, the word for drink is the word paneto, and it means a continued or repeated action. It means you don't just drink of it one time and walk away. It's not a momentary or a single experience. It is an ongoing part of your life. In other words, drinking the water of life requires regular interaction with the source of the living water. It means you keep coming back to him for that drink. And there's an interesting exchange between Jesus and the woman because Jesus begins to talk to her about her failed relationships. She begins to ask him about the cultural differences they share as Jews and Samaritans about worship styles, religious questions. Her eyes begin to be open to the truth and who's in front of her and the offer that's being made. And she uh, makes a strong statement and he responds with a bold confession. She says in verse 25 of John 4, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, and can you imagine being this woman when he says this? And Jesus says, it's me. I'm the Messiah. I I'm offering you the living water and you'll never thirst again. I'm offering you eternal life. I'm offering you something you can't find in relationships, something you can't find in success or failures, something you can't find through work and accomplishments and achievements. I am him, I'm the Messiah, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. 
You know, all of us in one way or another are like that woman beside the well. Regardless of where we've been, what we've gone through, what we've done, Jesus has gone out of his way to find us, to come to us, not just to know where we are, but to offer us something that only he can provide. And so I want to close quickly by just giving you three lessons from the woman at the well. You might want to take notes or put this in your Spirit Church app. Here's the first one. People are thirsty. People are looking for living water. Just like the woman at the well, they're looking for something that can satisfy them. They, they've searched for it in many places, in many ways. They're, they're thirsty and they're looking for something. And there's an overlooked verse in this story that we miss. If you're still in John 4, it's verse 28. It says, the woman left her water jar beside the well. People didn't do that. You don't give up or leave your water jar. Why did she leave her water jar? Here's why I think, because people often throw their water jars into the well and they hope they'll dip out success or love or something better or something more, but they only leave weakened and more parched and dry in their souls. This woman has been so filled with living water that she says, I don't even need that jug anymore. That doesn't matter because I've met the Messiah, because I've met the one who can offer living water. All of us long for it. All of us long for living water. There's a, there's a psychologist, she's a researcher, best-selling author on the New York Times bestseller list, Lisa Miller. She wrote a book called The Spiritual Child. She says that built into each one of us is a DNA, almost like a God gene, that we have a need and a desire that innate in us to know who God is. And for my parents who are in the room, you're helping your kids navigate this journey of faith. She writes these words, it is in your child's nature to believe in God, especially during their formative years. So moms and dads, take a deep breath because you don't have to prove that God exists. They already believe that God exists. Instead, you just point out to him all the ways that he's already working in our world and in their lives and in your family. You just reaffirm his existence to them. People are thirsty. Here's the second lesson from the woman at the well. Jesus is the Messiah. That's not just a lesson from the woman of the well. That's a lesson from all of scripture. But it's so pertinent in this one because he's the only one who can offer the living water. And he says to her, I am the Messiah. That word Messiah, it means anointed one or chosen one. In, in the Greek, the word would be Christos or Christ. Paul went on to write about Jesus, the Messiah, in 1 Timothy chapter 2. In verse 5, he says, there is one God. There is one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. It's the man, Christ Jesus. See, next time that somebody says to you, you're the man. No, but I know who he is. It's Christ Jesus. You're the woman. No, but I know who the man is. He's Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. See, I'm going to say this a lot over the next few minutes, but the reason why Jesus is the only way to heaven is because he's the only one who can offer a way to heaven. That's not an exclusive claim. That's a kind claim. If he's the only one who can and he didn't, that would be intolerant. That would be cruel. That would be hateful. That would be a bigot. But he's coming to everyone saying, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Paul writes it, Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, he says, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. He's the only way. Jesus claimed that he was the Messiah, but he keeps on proving it day after day and life after life that he touches. So people are thirsty, but Jesus is the Messiah. Here's the final lesson from the woman at the well. Run and tell everyone. Everyone. 
You say, that's not much of a lesson. That's more of an action step. Good, I'm glad you're picking up. It's an action step for you and I. See that verse that I told you about, John chapter 4, verse 28? The woman left her water jar beside the well, and she ran back to the village telling everyone. Think about that for a second. People didn't like to talk to her. She's at the well at a time when nobody else would have been there, and now she's going back wanting to be around people. She went so that she wouldn't have to encounter anyone, and now she's knocking on doors, and she's hollering, and she's screaming, you're never gonna believe what's happened. You've got to come see what has taken place in my life. See, when you encounter Jesus, it's exciting and it's life-changing. That's why we stand and celebrate and scream when people get baptized, because they have encountered Jesus. Their life has been transformed. And when you've been around Jesus, you want everybody else to know what you've experienced. When his living water fills your heart, that water overflows to everyone around you because a relationship with Jesus changes everything. And our greatest need, yours and mine, is met through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And all around us, outside of the walls of this building, outside of this campus, are people who are hurting, who are broken, who are desperate, who are rebellious because they don't have Jesus in their life. They haven't met the Messiah. They've never tasted of the living water that he offers. So the woman told everyone, the Bible tells us in John 4, 28, but verse 29 tells us what she told them. She said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Is it him? Could it really be him? In other words, has Jesus come? Is the Messiah here? One of the things I love the most about Jesus is that he came to us. My, my friends from BOM probably know this better than I do, but most of the other major religions of the world tell you that you have to find your way to that God, whatever it might be. But Jesus came to us to find us. He went out of his way to go to the village where this woman was, a village that most Jewish people wouldn't go to. And he didn't go find the most prominent or most important man in the village. He went to the well where a five-time divorcee with a live-in boyfriend would be drawing water at the worst part of the day. And he sat down so that she would talk to him. He comes to us. Shouldn't surprise us, but it does. He came to Adam and Eve in the garden when they had sinned. They didn't have to find God. He came looking for them. He found Noah and he said, it's time for you to build a boat. He came to Abraham and Sarah and said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And he came to this earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And we know that he's coming again soon. And for those of us who have experienced the living water that he offers, our responsibility, like that woman's, is to run and tell everyone. That's why our team leaves tomorrow for Alaska, because we're going to tell people there. That's why in September we're taking a team to Ecuador, because we're going to run and tell people there. That's why we're launching out into our community. That's why we do small groups. That's why we do everything we do. is because we want to run and tell everyone that Jesus is the Messiah, that he loves them, that he forgives them, that he sees them as they are, that he accepts them, that they're welcomed into his family. Jesus came to us. His offer isn't exclusive. His offer is inclusive. It's for everybody. It's loving, it's gentle, it's kind. He says, I'm the only way because he is the only one who can provide salvation. 
I want to show you the verse that I quote every single week at Spirit Church. It's Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. You probably memorized it by now. I say it so much. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Because the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And this is the part where the woman at the well fits right in. There's no distinction between Jew or Greek. The same Lord overall is rich to all who call upon him. And then verse 13, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Maybe you're a Samaritan woman sitting in a well. Maybe you're just a person who lives in Bartlesville, Dewey, or someplace nearby call upon his name, you'll be saved. Would you bow your head this morning? I love that the verse says whoever calls upon his name, we're calling upon his name because he's already been calling our name. And probably this morning, you might even feel that in your chest. You might feel that in your spirit that he's calling your name. That's the Holy Spirit of God just speaking to you. Just like Jesus went to the woman at the well, Jesus has come to you in this moment right now. And maybe you're watching us online or maybe you're listening to us on the radio. Jesus is speaking your name. He's saying, if you knew who you were speaking to, if you knew the gift that God has for you, you would ask for the living water. Today, he's making that offer to us, the living water of life. That we don't have to be the person we were, that we don't have to be defined by our sins or our past or our failures any longer, that there is new life available in him. If you're here, I have no intention of embarrassing you. I'm simply going to pray with you in a moment. If you want to say yes to Jesus, whether today's the first time you've said yes to Jesus, or you just need to make things right between you and God, would you just slip up your hand right now and say, pray for me. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hands that have gone up. I've seen at least four hands that have gone up this morning. Thank you for those who have had the courage to lift your hands. If you're watching online, would you just put the word yes in your text box and let us know that you're saying yes to Jesus. I just read the verse, but it says that we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart. So when you raised your hand, you said, I believe. And now there's that moment of confession. We're gonna pray this prayer together, whether you're watching us online or here in the house. Let's pray this. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I have sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. Today I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me more like you. And I will do my best to live for you from this day forward. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you put your hands together for what God has done? Come on. Now, would you stand to your feet and would you thank him for the living water that he provides? Come on, let's give him the best praise this morning. He does. Just a reminder, if you said yes to Jesus and you would just text the number on the screen, 918 766-9117. This just allows us to follow up and help equip you in your journey. We don't want you to be alone. We want you to be able to walk through this with partners and also with resources. So once again, if you'll just text the word yes to 918-766-9117, we'll go ahead and we'll equip you with some resources that'll help you along your way. 
But man, it's been an incredible Sunday. And we get to go out this week and we get to celebrate freedom within our nation. But I want to remind you that during this month, while we're focusing on the freedom within our nation, that you are free from sin and bondage and death because you are in a relationship with Christ. There is such greater freedom that we get to function in because of our Lord and Savior and everything he did. So I want to pray a prayer of blessing over us all as we leave today. So if you'll raise your hands towards heaven. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go with God this week.